feel like we're in home territory for the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, what is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but I belong. Uh, body and soul, life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It, this idea of belonging, uh, this idea of, of, of our lives not being our own is something that we, we think about, is something that we, we cherish from the beginning to the end. You know, it's, such a, it's such a joy for, um, uh, for Tim and Olivia to bring Todd this morning and to uh, begin this journey of belonging. Many of you know that it's, it's been a, a year of journey for the Veldkamp family. Certainly think of uh, Olivia losing her, her mother this year and the idea of belonging, body and soul, life and death. It's a comfort, and, and it's something that God speaks to us, even as David prayed, you know, when we're, when we're very young. In uh, this great promise that, that they have chosen as their verse for Todd, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Our hope is always, it never is in our sort of understanding enough to believe Jesus enough. Our hope is never that we will hold on tight enough. Our hope is that He will hold on tight enough to us. And the promise of the Scripture is that He is faithful and He will do it. And so it's with that hope that we come this morning. So I'll invite the Veldkamps. I'll invite uh, the elders as well to come. So we have Tim and Olivia, we have Millie and Marcy. And we have Todd. Todd is named after his grandfather, right? Who's also here, so welcome to the Veldkamp family. Tim and Olivia, uh, you are here because you, you believe that we belong, not because of what we do, but because of what God does for us. And so I'll just ask you to give testimony to that. Do you believe in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Do you confess Jesus Christ, God's Son, as Lord and Savior? Do you? Do you believe God's covenant promises that though your children are conceived and born in sin, that he will be your God and the God of your children? And so to believing, do you present Todd for holy baptism as the sign and seal of his reception into the covenant family of God? Do you? Do you promise with the help of God to bring Todd up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to pray for him and with him, to make every effort so to order your own lives that you will not cause this little one to stumble? Do you? We do. 
Do you promise to encourage Todd as soon as he is able to comprehend its significance, to confess his own faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and become an ever increasingly active member of Christ Church, serving faithfully in her fellowship? Do you? And have you so kept the vow that you made before God with uh, these previous children that you can take this vow with a sincere and clear conscience, have you? God helping us. We're none, none of us are perfect, right? Brothers and sisters of Christ Church, do you receive Todd uh, as an infant member of this congregation? Do you promise to love him, care for him, pray for him? Work in the nursery, change diapers at the appropriate time, be there, teach Sunday school, walk with him through his teenage years uh, in order that he might see in you and in us together uh, the, the, our, uh, the vibrant life of the body that is trusting Jesus day by day in the midst of good times and in the midst of bad times. If this is your intent, answer from the bottom of your heart with a hearty amen. amen. Todd, hey buddy. Todd Matthew Veldkamp, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We pray with me. Father, what wonderful uh, signs and seals you give us of this belonging, that we are not our own, but we do indeed belong to you. Lord, we place uh, this little one in your hands today. Lord, we ask that you would walk with him each and every day of his life. As we think about all of our children, we always pray that there will never be a day where they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We ask that his heart would be so drawn by this promise here that you make to him today, would be drawn by the community of faith that he uh, has entered into here, the covenant family. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen him and that he would take a place as, as a servant, as a leader uh, amongst your people. Father, we pray for your church. We ask that you would bless us as we seek to keep these vows and these promises uh, that we have made today. Lord, we realize that we need your help each and every day. And Lord, we pray for the parents. We pray for Tim and Olivia. We pray for Millie and Marcy as well. We ask that you would place your blessing around them, that they would grow as a, as a covenant family. We ask that you would continue to bless them and give them all the wisdom, all the courage, all the, the love and sensitivity that they need to, to walk the, the journeys of life together. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, even in the midst of, of difficult times, uh, challenging times. Lord, we trust you, and we know that you are continuing sovereign over our lives. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. There we go. Blessings. Elders will uh, greet you. Uh, welcome. We're so good to have Todd as part of our covenant family. 
And as you go, the ladies of our church are always so good to uh, prepare a momentous uh, or a momentum of, uh, of the baptism, quilting and a Bible study, storybook. So uh, Mim will present that to you as you exit. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Now let us stand for the reading of God's Word. Our text today is from Romans 14, 13 through 23. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. But what you eat, do not by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever, do, whatever does not proceed from faith 
is sin. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, shine on us through the preaching of your word today. Give Addison the wisdom to communicate your word. Let it pierce our hearts. Make us uncomfortable as we struggle to conform to your image. Let us take heart and let our feeble limbs be strengthened through the power of your word. Let your spirit open our eyes and our ears. May he, hold, may he help us to hold on to those words throughout the week. In your name, amen. How many of you have heard of the saying, a house divided? If you follow sports, you probably are familiar with that terminology. Usually it means you've got a Michigan and Michigan State fan in the same house, or even worse, a Michigan-Ohio State fan in the same house. But it certainly goes beyond sports. Uh, it goes into the realms of the, the things we believe, our political affiliations, our social clubs, perhaps which cereal is best for breakfast. But I found myself in the middle of a house divided a year ago. I'm intimately involved in a, a ministry, a mission organization to Jamaica. And about a year ago, we were kind of looking at the future and saying, what do we believe God is leading? And where is he leading us in this ministry? What is the future of how we reached unreached people groups in Jamaica? And we had two brothers in Christ, Brian and Brent, and they, had, they were a house divided. They had completely differing thoughts. They certainly saw a different future in their own minds for, for where this mission needed to go. They would have executed things differently, perhaps spent money differently, attracted people to the mission in different ways. They were rooting for two different futures, yet I watched as they walked together through this journey of figuring out our future. And boy, you never would have known outside of small comments that they differed. They listened to one another well. They considered the other person's points. They still never saw eye to eye in the future. Sounds a lot like a house divided a house like with Christ at the center. See, they walked in a manner of love, which is what Paul is emphasizing here in this text for us. As we continue to consider uh, Paul's words to the Roman believers of the time, Jewish and Gentile Christians, and we consider what does it look like for us to, to walk in a manner of love? This is what Paul outlines See, we have to live a life together without hurting one another. We have to be able to, to look and maybe even have differing views on where we're headed, rooting for different teams, choosing different serials, having a vision for a different future of our mission. Yet we have to live in a manner that is worthy of the one with whom we bow our knee to, is Christ. We have to live in a manner where we're not hurting one another, one another despite our differences. See, as we consider the text for this morning, 
You know, last week we, we talked about the differing parties that we find, the, the strong and the weak, and how each one of us at different times in our life with different beliefs, different uh, associations, different uh, manners uh, of going about our lives, we find ourselves on both sides. We find ourselves as either strong or as weak. All of us are, were welcomed into the fold by Christ. All of us in one regard were, were weak in that sense. Today, we're going to look at what's our individual, corporate but yet individual response to how we walk in a manner of love. See, if we're living out of the core of the gospel, if we're living out of the, the truths of the gospel that we find in Scripture and that Paul has so eloquently laid out in Romans 1 through 11, we will live sacrificially for one another. Because we have a shared mission. We have a common goal in mind, and that is to see Christ proclaimed and the gospel shared. Remember, that was the mission that Paul was reminding the Jewish and Gentile Christians of in Rome. He was reminding them that you guys need to come together to share the gospel, to be on mission together so that God would be glorified, that Christ's name would be proclaimed in the marketplace, in the houses, everywhere. So we live out of the promises of the Gospels. And here Paul has negative evaluations. He, he points out some negative things for us to consider how we are then to live. So let's just remind ourselves that we're not talking about these core issues. We're not talking about uh, the essential issues that uh, we come together as believers in Christ on. We're talking about convictions or uh, beliefs of conscience. So again, not these core issues, not the things that are central to being a Christian. The things we're talking about don't play into whether someone is in or out of Christ. They're important, and they're things that we have to deal with. Paul deals with them, but they're not at the core of what we believe. So this morning, we're going to walk through this passage. We're going to look at three different aspects of the passage that will help us do this, that will help us live sacrificially for one another for the sake of the mission. We're going to look at the problem that we find in the text and in our lives. We're going to look at the price. I couldn't remember if I changed which P that was or not. The price that we have to pay to do this and the power by which we get to do this. So if you look, we'll start with the problem. There were lots of issues in this text that Paul brings up. We can spot them pretty quickly. I'm going to start in verse 10. It was printed in your bulletin there uh, for you. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Why do you despise your brother? I'm going to jump down to uh, verse 13. Let us not pass judgment. Never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. These are all issues. These are, are negative things, things that we are doing to hurt one another. We're destroying one another. Those that Christ died for, he says later. We're destroying the work of God, he says later. We're causing one another to stumble. And these are the issues that Paul is getting at. Probably specific things that he sees or has heard uh, that are going on between the Jewish and Gentile Christians in Rome. He's saying you're not to do these things. You choose not to, to walk in a manner where you're despising one another. You decide not to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in front of one another. You see, for these are the actions of a selfish motivation. 
of a self-centered, a self-grandizing, thinking of only me before thinking of one another. That's the problem. The problem that he, he sees is that they're thinking of self first, other second. And when they think of self first and other second, uh, they cause one another to stumble. They destroy the work that God has done in, in each other's lives. Paul, early in chapter 12, is trying to clear the air on this when he says, do not think of yourself higher than you ought to, but consider one another. He says, outdo one another in showing honor in chapter 12. Seek to show hospitality at the end of that passage there. See, these are all of the ways that we're to engage and walk in a manner of love. So he's juxtaposing our selfish inclinations and desires with the way of walking with one another, considering the other person. Remember, he's talking uh, to the strong here. So he's telling them, be careful with which the manner that you walk There's a clear thread of love through all of this section. This whole series, there's a thread of love from chapter 12 all the way to chapter 16. See, in chapter 12, it's kind of a general love. It's a, you know, love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Love one another because of the way that Christ has loved you. But here in chapter 14, as it's culminating, getting very specific, this is a specific kind of love. Love one another despite your differences. Love one another when you don't see eye to eye. Love one another when you would choose different manners of walking, different associations. If you're a house divided, walk in a manner of love. See, the problem is that we tend to think selfishly first. I love the way that one author put it. If someone acts in such a way as to grieve a fellow believer over the matter of food or, or any of the other disputed matters, any of these other convictions or, or, or choices of conscience, then their behavior is the opposite of acting in love. Such behavior is self-righteous and self-serving, precisely what they were told not to be. The strong may enjoy their freedom from the Torah when it comes to food, but they are not to rub it in the faces of the weak with the view of denigrating their sensitive consciences. You know, I think when we are dealing with these issues, it really requires a conversation. It requires a dialogue in a way that we can't have a dialogue right now, one with 80 or so. And so I'm going to choose to to look at one of these issues that's outside of our culture, outside of our context, just for the sake of not being able to dialogue about this with you. In China, there's, uh, there's a, a, well, everywhere, there's a stone, jade. I don't know how many of you have seen this stone. It's, it's a greenish stone. But in China, it has some close associations with some of their cultural uh, norms and ways of, of doing, or perhaps it has some ties to, to different um, familial aspects. But it's also closely associated with the Buddhist context. For there are people that will take jade and they will fashion little Buddha statues out of it and they will use these and position them in their homes and places of of worship as a part of how they express their Buddhism. So this has led groups of Christians in China, Chinese Christians, to see jade as off limits because it's so closely associated 
with Buddhism. There's no way that you can, in their minds, there's no way that you can wear or adorn yourself, put it in your house. It's off limits. There's another group of Christians that, that see jade as a stone, as a beautiful stone that's made by God, held together by Christ. And though, yes, it is held closely to, to Buddhist beliefs, the stone in and of itself is an artifact of God. What man does with that stone has no bearing on whether you can wear it or you can put it in your home. See, one of these groups of Christians we could say is the strong, and one we could say is the weak. The strong is to not hold or lord over their use of jade to the weaker Christians. They're not to to cause them to stumble, to be a hindrance. They're not to be concerned with how others use or don't use jade whereas the other, the weaker, cannot condemn the strong for their use or their wearing of jade. Now, certainly they need to be in conversation. They need a dialogue about these things. Paul here is calling us to consider our actions, consider our choices, our convictions, our, our manner of conscience, and to decide not to cause one another to stumble. Decide not to destroy the work of Christ using Paul's language, but to walk in a manner of love, to consider the other brother or sister before we consider our own inclinations, before we consider our own uh, um, decisions on where things fall and where they don't. And so this is the problem. When we uh, move into this realm selfishly in a self-serving manner, we tend to judge. We tend to cause one another to stumble. And so we choose to walk in love, which leads us to our second point. There's a price that comes when we decide to walk in a manner of love, when we decide to live in a different way. There's two hooks that Paul gives us throughout this passage of of how we can consider what that price is. And the first is that God alone is judge. God alone is the one who will pass judgment. Verses 10 through 12 Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. So then each of us will give an account of God, of himself to God. So you might be asking, why is this a price? Why do we have to, what's the price that we pay? Well, it's humility. It's remembering that the world does not revolve around our decisions and our thoughts, our inclinations, What we decide is right or wrong, the ways in which we pass judgment or decide, God is ultimate judge. And so we have to place ourselves in the proper position when it comes to these issues. So when we walk in a manner of love, it puts us solely in the position under God, all of us under God as judge. But you'll say in the text, Paul says that there are decisions that we can make We are to decide things. We are to play a part. We are to make judgment. And so we flip to Deuteronomy 1 to consider how we might approach this. Here they're they're working out how they'll judge cases and the tribes. And and here's what's said. "I, I charged your judges at that time, hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brothers. 
So you see, God is giving us a, a manner of judging, a manner of deciding. We are to decide things within our house. We are to make decisions within our house. It continues, you shall not be partial in your judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. So it starts to clarify, yes, you make decisions, you judge, but you cannot be partial. In other words, you cannot stand from your side and look over there. You've got to hear from both sides, the great and the small, A and B, this party and that party. You're not partial in the judgment that you make. And why is that? It's because God, for the judgment is God's, the end of verse 17. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. So we remember that God plays judge. We humble ourselves. We do make decisions. We do decide things. We do judge, but we judge how to love. We judge how to walk with one another. We judge a manner that is worthy of Christ. I love the way that the message translates uh, chapter 14, verse 13. It says, forget about deciding what's right for each other. Here's what you need to be concerned about, that you don't get in the way of someone else, making life more difficult than it already is. What a verse for 2020. That you don't get in the way of someone else, making life more difficult than it already is. See, the way that uh, we have translated verse 13, different translations, they say, do not pass judgment, but rather decide. That word judgment and decide are actually the same root word. So you could read it like this, therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather judge never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. See, we're to decide to love. And that's how we walk in a manner of love. Recently, as I was, you know, filing through all of the different things online, thinking about uh, the climate that we find ourselves in, I came across a really interesting story uh, about political strategists. And if you know anything about me, this is not the first thing I would choose to read during the week, but it was really interesting uh, how they were thinking about marketing to different groups uh, within our country. And so they did this with all over the country. Both parties do this. In fact, it goes even beyond politics. It's just marketing. It's strategy. How do we reach people groups? How do we influence a people group to decide one way or another? But what really intrigued me about this one was the names they gave to these people groups. So there's a group down in Texas that they are calling the Trader Joe's Republicans. I kid you not, this is not a snack in the snack aisle at Trader Joe's. This is the way that they would categorize these people. And there's names like this all over the country for different sorts of groups. There were some even in Detroit. So Trader Joe's Republicans, the way they describe them, is on appearance and by some of their surface beliefs and, and even the things that they would associate, they, they seem to be a bit progressive. The places they shop, the things that they purchase, maybe the clubs or affiliations they're a part of, the groups that they hang out with, yet they are registered Republican voters. It's a very interesting dynamic. You know, for you and I, if we were to see one of these people, if we were to maybe get a, a glimpse of their Twitter feed or their Facebook, or perhaps a, they follow them in the places that they shop and they, they go and hang out, we may categorize them on the surface as a progressive, as someone who is probably going to vote Democratic. Yet, 
by and large, most of them vote Republican. I just think this is such a good example of what it means to judge a book by its cover. We look at the cover of the book and we decide exactly what it's about. We place it in its proper place on the bookshelf. We know where it gets filed in the Dewey Decimal System. But we never open it. We never consider their story. We never consider how has God led them to, to make certain decisions and, and to, to, to uh, um, make choices in their own lives that would lead them to look a certain way, to vote a certain way, to act a certain way. And this is true of all of us. If, we were to, if you were to look at me, you would categorize me in certain ways without understanding where my story is or where I'm coming from. We do this to one another far more than we would like to admit. I do it far more than I would like to admit. And what Paul is outlining for us here is that the way that we walk in love is by slowing down and considering stories. It's considering where people are at. What choices do they make and why? How has God been moving in their life? What aspects of their story have led them to where they are today? And we decide, we choose, we judge to walk in a manner of love, to not judge as God would judge, to allow Him to do that, but to humble ourselves, to, to act out of humility. See, and this is, leads us to the second hook there that Paul is, is outlining for us here in chapter 14, this portion of it, is that there is a bit of changed behavior that comes when we decide to walk in a manner of love. This truth impacts the way that you and I approach relationships, the way that we approach who we sit by, how we consider them, how we walk in a manner of love. So there's clear words that lead us to that. Therefore, let us not pass judgment. Rather, decide to do this. I am persuaded. Pursue peace for mutual upbuilding. Do not cause another to stumble for what he eats. Verse 20. See, there are choices that we make. There's decisions that we hold the truth changes our behavior. You know, through humility, through engagement, through walking, we decide to love instead of judge. We decide to engage, to pay the price of time, of perhaps being willing to be wrong, or to see life through a different lens. See, this is a kingdom mindset. This is considering a picture that is bigger than our picture. When we talk about the kingdom, what we're doing is we're trying to remind one another that we as individuals, even we as Christ Church, are a part of something much bigger. We're a part of something that is happening globally, even beyond our state, beyond our country. We're a part of a kingdom that has a king, Jesus I heard it said that love slows to the pace of another. I think that's a great way to consider how we walk with one another. Another author put it this way, that is saying to the watching world, when we decide to judge, to cause people to stumble, 
What that is doing is saying to the watching world that Christianity consists of whether you do or you do not do a certain thing. Instead of saying that following Jesus is about a mission, about showing the grace and mercy of God, the love he has given for us, the price that Jesus has paid for us, which he pays for all who find their allegiance in him. Which leads us to the final point, the power. We see there's a problem, selfish inclinations, tend not to walk in a manner of love. We're, we're called to pay a price to, to humble ourselves, to decide to walk with one another, to slow love, slows to the pace of another. How do we do this? Where do we get the strength to do it? Do I have a confession to make? I try to do this often. I try to, to love people who have differences than me. But more times than I'm probably willing to admit, I fail. I fail to love someone who really differs than me. I fail to walk in a manner that you would say is loving. Because I try and do it from my own knowledge or my own intellect. I try and do it from my own inclinations, my gut feelings. I try and do it on my own. I try to love people with what I have, with what makes me, me. Thankfully, if you find yourself like me, Paul gives us a lifeline in chapter 15, starting in verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. That's everything we've just been talking about. Let each of us please his neighbor, build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That is is how we do it. That is how we get the power to love people that have significant differences in us, that have different convictions or choices of conscience that we do. It's through our relationship with Jesus. It's through resting on him, realizing that he entered into this situation for this very reason, to unify us, to bring us together so this is why Paul is reminding them of what it means to follow Jesus. It means not only just this, this uh, mode of doctrine or these, these things that we believe, this theology that we have, but it means following the Messiah, living a life like Jesus. So we tend to, uh, because we need to at times, look at theology and lived theology. We look at um, indicatives and imperatives. And Paul here is trying to help us see that this all is one thing. It is living a life with the Messiah Jesus. It's recognizing that we don't do anything out of our own inclination, out of our own thinking, our own being, but we rest in Jesus. We bow our knee to Jesus. We follow him in the ways in which he has laid out for our lives. As we decide to rest in the King. Paul would have said, this is seeking the way of the Messiah Jesus, as we've said. 
You know, I just really like this quote. Other people have better thoughts than me most of the time. Paul wants more than an agreed list of ideas. He wants him to have a mind among each other that is kata Christon Uason, according to Messiah Jesus. This is a mind that is patterned after the Messiah and pursues the vision of God's people appropriate for those under the Messiah. You see, we lay down our own efforts for the power to do this is not within ourselves. It's not within our groups, our tribes, our affiliations, our convictions. It's not even necessarily within our theology or our doctrine. It's within Jesus. It's within Christ. And so we pray Psalm 139, search me and know me, know my grievous ways, and lead me in the life everlasting, Lord. You lead me. I don't lead myself. I don't let others lead me. You, Lord, lead me in these ways. Or Galatians 5, 6, another great gospel promise for us. For in Christ Jesus, so in our union with Christ, in our relationship with Him, neither circumcision, the law, nor uncircumcision, licentious, free living, counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Only faith working in a manner of love. It is what we believe that leads us to walk in a manner of love, that we believe that Christ has died. He's entered into this problem. He's seen our selfishness. He's seen our separation from God. He's seen the ways that we tend to make decisions on our own. He entered into that, solving the problem by paying the price for us, by offering his life as the living sacrifice to bring us into a relationship with himself and with God, to forgive us of our sins and our iniquities, to give us his righteousness. He paid that price and by their doing gave us the power to walk in a manner of love, to see that we have differences with one another, that at times we're a house divided, but we can come under the banner of Christ. We can decide, not out of our own strength, but out of the power of Christ, to love one another, to be unified for the mission that God has given us as his church, which is to seek and save the lost, that the gospel would be proclaimed here in Grand Rapids, in our neighboring neighborhoods, in our state, in our country, and beyond that to the watching world. It brings us together. It unites us in a way that nothing else can unite us. Would you pray with me? Father, working backwards, we recognize that if we try and do this out of our own strength, we'll fail. We might get little victories here and there. We, we may see some, uh, quote-unquote, progress in, in some areas, but ultimately, if we are to be unified in our mission to see the gospel go forward, that God would be glorified, you would be glorified, in Jesus' name known, we need to press into you. We need to humble ourselves to walk in a manner that is worthy of the title we give ourselves as Christians, as Jesus followers. To even saying that, we recognize that we're following the King, Jesus. Help us to do that in, in all aspects of our life, but in particular, help us to do that in the way we love one another here. 
that we see the differences that people hold. We cause one another not to stumble, but to glorify you, to sing your praises. Father, forgive us for the ways in which we have sinned, the ways in which we have sought to do this selfishly. And again, give us the power in Christ to walk in a manner of love. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.